Everyone, welcome in. Back to the Highlands Talk. It is a cold, frigid afternoon coming on night overall. We are happy to be here with you. I am staying just joined always by my buddy, Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how are you doing today? I'm good. Obviously, waking up to go to an 8.30 class when it was 16 degrees outside was not fun, especially saying it was 60 over the weekend. But hey, that's life. We got a lot to cover today on the what should be national holiday of Super Bowl Monday, but we're still working on that. Oh, we might get a petition for that. Like my, my, my dad was telling me like in the afternoon, like, can we just make this the holiday or anything? Everyone would benefit from it. Not to mention today is also Valentine's Day. Tonight is also Purim Katan. And today was supposed to be the day pitchers and catchers reported. But as we know, supposed to, because that's not going to happen. But we got a lot of football coverage today. We're going to kick it right off with the best game of the year, biggest game of the year. And the our Super Bowl. Kick- All right. Our kickoff segment, beginning segment of our show will be our Super Bowl recap. And Mitch, you said to yourself, the biggest game of the year lived up to its name. Our final score, your Super Bowl champions are the Los Angeles Rams. The trophy will be staying in Los Lombardi will be staying in Los Angeles. The Rams winning by a score of 23 to 20 in a game. That was surprisingly very defensive. These teams were known mainly for their high-flying offenses. And the Rams won their second Super Bowl in franchise history, their second, their second in franchise history, their first in Los Angeles. And Mitch, we talked about this game being very defensive. Both teams were held below their season average for yards and points. And Sean McVay just became the youngest head coach in NFL history to win a Super Bowl. Days after Dick Vermeil, the first coach to win a Super Bowl, went into the Hall of Fame. It very much is poetic. The Rams all in approach paid off. Von Miller, two sacks. OBJ caught a touchdown. Von Miller was all in. But one, but we talk about players in this game. One guy that all eyes were on. He had two sacks and the game-winning pressure causing Joe Burrow to throw the ball away. And I want to start off with this, Mitch. With the performance that Aaron Donald has, the resume that he has accumulated, rookie of the year, eight-time pro bowler, three-time defensive player of the year, Rams all-time sad leader, seven-time first-team all-pro, and a Super Bowl champ. Aaron Donald is the best defensive player of all time. You know, Sam, I don't necessarily know if I can make that argument after the I've only been alive for about 20% of the NFL's history. But in our lifetime, I want to say Aaron Donald is the best defensive player and if you're not going to make a number, the acolytes speak for themselves, right? The dude's a beast. If he retired right now, he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer, rookie of the year, the eight Pro Bowls, three-time defensive player of the year. And if he he's basically done everything but get a fourth. <laughs> and it's not like he hasn't had seasons where that's up to par where he couldn't because he's had a handful of those. He's the all-time sacks leader for the Rams, seven-time first-team All-Pro, seven years out of – how, what, how many years? Like eight years in the league now? Eight or nine, I want to say, right? You drafted 2014, 14, 15, yeah. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, eight years. He was the best defensive tackle or defensive end, depending on how you line him up. 78 years, like you can't get better than that. Like, come on. And on top of that, he made the biggest play at the end of the game on the biggest stage to win his team their first ring in 20 years, in 20 plus years. I mean, Aaron Donald is known just as an absolute freak. Every year he's always just been in the conversation for he, he's just the best defensive player in football. I mean, we were talking about this about Brian J.J. Watt. That's who I think about. This. The guy was three-time defensive player of the year, and you know that when he was on the field, you had to prepare. 
There was a crazy play where Donald literally has one hand blocking a guy and one hand sacking Joe Burrow. That is unbelievable to see. And we talk about the star power on this Rams team. We know the defense got it done. It was a very low scoring game. But Matthew Stafford was a guy that everyone else had all eyes on. He had a solid game, 26 for 40, 283 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, a very Matt Stafford-esque game. But Mitch, given everything that Matt Stafford has accumulated throughout his career and the one knock on his resume was that he hasn't been able to win. Do you think this Super Bowl ring, Super Bowl jacket, you know, Sam, I think it definitely makes a case, but I don't necessarily know if Matt Stafford's a gold jacket player, right? Because we're not talking Harla very good. He's been a very good quarterback throughout his career, had, had a pretty damn good year this year. But when voting comes around, who's he going up against, right? He's not in the Brady, Breeze, Mannings, Big Ben, like that group. He's a bit younger than them. So it's Aaron Rodgers. It's like an Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson not Patrick, and I can't even put Mahomes in there because he's too young. Kirk Cousins, like who? what other quarterbacks really fit in that era? And if you're looking at that, Wilson's got one Super Bowl, but frankly, who's a better player between Stafford and Wilson? The answer is Matt Stafford. So it'd be hard depending on how you quantify that era. Is Stafford part of the Brady, Big Ben, Manning, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Rivers era? Or is he part, or is he a mini era with him, Rodgers, and a couple others. If it's the latter, I think he's a much greater case because there has not been a better quarterback drafted within a handful of years of him. Like, Matt Ryan has not been better than him. I'm just, like, throwing Cam Newton has not been a better player than him. One MVP. Overall for the career, Sam, who are you taking right now, Cam Newton or Matt Stafford? Probably Matt Stafford. So, I think there's definitely a case. I don't necessarily know if this is, like, the final thing that pushes him over. I think he needs to do a bit more. But... Absolutely, this definitely helps. I mean, it's a Super Bowl. It can't hurt your case. Right, 100%. And we'll definitely, hopefully, maybe the Rams get back. They definitely they have this core pretty much locked up for a bit pending. They ah! do have a few free agents to lock up. They have a few guys to lock up. They have a lot of free agents. They have their core. They have a bunch of their core locked up. They may have a few guys to focus on and a big guy to watch out. Aaron Donald did hint that it's a rumor that he may retire. That is yet to be seen. We'll keep an eye on that. But the Rams, we look at the Rams offense through this game. Atrocious rushing the ball. 23 carries, 43 yards. And as we talked about with Jacob Decker on that, the Rams were probably going to come out, come out throwing. They did not. It was a very balanced attack, surprisingly, especially from the get-go. Sean McVay ran the ball a lot. And it did not go anywhere for him. But not. But what's the reason that the Rams won this game? Matthew Stafford didn't have a crazy game. This game was one was Cooper Cup, the MVP of Super Bowl 56. He made plays when it mattered most. OBJ goes down with the injury. Matt Stafford is a little bit rattled. The rushing game isn't going. You give your best player a chance to make plays, and he absolutely feasts it. Eight receptions, 92 yards. Mitch, get a load of these combined stats for the season. In playoffs. 21 total games. Catches. 128 catches. 2,500 yards. 22 touchdowns. He's the first player in NFL history with more than 2,000 yards in a season, including playoffs, lowering the previous record by 197 held by who else but Gerald. And Mitch, probably arguably the best receiver season we've ever seen. Do you think you talk a lot about how receivers don't get enough of recognition in terms of awards? Do you think seeing this performance, how Cooper Cup took over the game in 
the biggest moments will help advance the narrative. Maybe receivers can win more awards going down the line. You know, Sam, I want to start off by saying Monday on here last week, I said Cooper Cup will finish with, I'm not sure, I think I said eight or 10 receptions, I don't remember, 150 yards of two touchdowns. So I was right on likely two of those, right? Dude's a beast. 178 catches, 2,425 receiving yards, and 22 receiving touchdowns. This, I, I mean, in terms of recognition, they win Offensive Player of the Year. Two of the last three have been receivers who've won that award. MVP, and I said this last week when we were talking NFL honors, if someone was going to win it, it was going to be him. And it was going to be this year, and that didn't happen. It would have to take a quarterback with purely mediocre mediocrity throughout the season. And Stafford wasn't that. And this receiver doing that with no other quarterbacks excelling or any defensive players or running back to make that happen for an MVP. But we'll get into that later when we're talking about a bit of roster construction and how guys like Cooper cup fall into play. I just want to take a minute and touch on the Rams offense as a whole. Obviously they didn't rush, but just looking at this, Matt Stafford had his fair share of injuries and tribulations throughout his time in Detroit, not to mention his wife, Kelly, with her brain surgery that she recovered from, thankfully, throughout the years. That whole, the, the O-line's been beat all year, like physically. He's a tough boy. He's a tough boy. O-line has had their fair share. Running back room, Kim Aker, seven months removed from an Achilles tear. Darrell Henderson's had hand issues. Michelle has not been healthy his whole career. Receiving core, that whole receiving core, their top three guys, Cup, Woods, and OBJ, are likely having four ACL tears between the three of them, which is impressive that Mac they're able to come. The OBJ unfortunately likely tore his again in the Super Bowl they yesterday. Can, they confirmed it. Tyler Higby out of the, didn't play also. Like that whole offense was depleted. To be able to keep coming back and Van Jefferson squat Squanerick, I forgot, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Squaronic. Squaronic. Still came out there and did what they could. Uh, Bryson Hopkins came in, stepped in. Not to mention, outside of Cooper Cup yesterday, no receiver on the Bengals had more than four receptions. But six other guys had catches. And Stafford had a target on the Philly special that didn't execute. But overall, they played well. He didn't get pressured too badly. Didn't get sacked so much. And it speaks levels to this offense. And then just look at the defense for a second. We don't give Aaron Donald enough credit. Like Aaron Donald is likely the best player in football right now. And that's, and that's what it comes <laughs> we don't down give to. Enough credit. We don't give him enough credit, right? The dude's draw, drawing triple teams. Leonard Floyd and Von Miller are getting one-on-ones on poor tackles. Like Jonah Williams should not be facing that. <laughs> <laughs> just to have that kind of player on your team is an, just an absolute game changer. And shout out to Sean McVay. Like, he was getting a lot of flack in the beginning of the game. It was looking like, like, oh, no, Sean McVay is going to blow another Super Bowl. But kudos to him to rallying his team, coming back from another de- deficit, and proving the haters wrong, becoming the youngest head coach to win a Super Bowl. I mean, yep. I really much thumbs it up. All right, Sam, let's uh, shift gears and talk about the Bengals for a second. What, what, what happened to the Bengals? Well, you said to yourself, what happened to the Bengals? The offensive line finally gave up. They were scrappy throughout the playoffs. I mean, they were, they took, the team took sacks, but nonetheless, they were able to persevere. The Titans game, they found a way to win through like the defense gaming on big plays when it happened. Against the Chiefs, they were able to somehow protect Joe Burrow from being 
destroyed by destroyed by the opposing team and the Raiders game as well. They still just this team just found a way to win always, but it just seemed like the magic just ran out. They let up seven sacks, which was lower than usual. But I think the big blow, Mitchell, you can touch upon this, was Joe Burrow's knee. I think that played a huge factor going down the stretch as he was having a very efficient game. You know, I don't think the little knee scare really did as much as you would think, Sam. Right. The Bengals only had 15 first downs in this game, yet alone were three for 14 on third down. One for three on fourth down, but that's not as important because one of those in the game, one of them was like the end of the half where like it was like a point situation where it made sense to go for it. They were completing 5.5 yards, like not a lot yardage wise. The seven sack, like Joe Burrow got sacked 70 times in the season. 19 in the playoffs, that's an all-time record. 51 in the regular season, most this year. 70 over 21 games. Or 20 games, actually. But, like, because he didn't play week 17. You can't let that happen. And, right, we talked about this at the beginning of the season. They took Jamar Chase. Scrutinized at the time, right, fully. Right? Couldn't protect their quarterback. Didn't matter who was throwing it to. And Higgins and Boyd were good one and two punch with AJ Green still there. Uzama being underrated at the time in Mixon. So like, it wasn't the biggest need, but he was the right pick at that point, the explosive playmaker over Panay Sewell or Sean Slater. The latter of whom went to go have an all, have an all pro season. But Aaron Donald's lost triple teams. Your, your tackles aren't good enough one-on-one to handle Leonard Floyd or Von Miller. That's what happened. Jalen Ramsey getting burned, but frankly, that one play by Higgins, that 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 Higgins touchdown was clearly a face mask. Like he grabbed him by the face mask. That that was right, Mitch. But you say that, but nonetheless, they were going at Jalen Ramsey. They were not afraid to target him. We usually see teams throw away from Jalen Ramsey. It seems like the game plan go at him, make it work. And there were times where Jalen Ramsey, the the face, the penalty, the not the mess call aside. He was getting burned. These Bengals receivers did a pretty good job, nonetheless, against this Rams against this Rams secondary. And Jalen Ramsey kind of looks human during that during the Super Bowl. You know, it's not just that. Also, looking at the stat lines, they had between Higgins, Chase, and Boyd, twenty-one total targets, only fourteen catches, and two hundred thirty-seven yards for two touchdowns. If you take out the seventy-five-yard touchdown that T. Higgins had to open the third quarter. That looks that's pathetic. That's really pathetic. And for a team that's relied so heavily on the pass, Mixon did okay. 72 72 yards on the ground. Overall, the team had 70. What? And a passing touchdown. He did have a passing touchdown. And like they did what they 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 balled out, but you gotta protect your guy. And what have we learned from the Super Bowl. Before we get into the talk on the defense, because I want to get into that in a second. The game is still one in the trenches, regardless of what you want. Regardless of what you want to do, the game is still one in the trenches. But I want to shout out this Bengals defense. Lou Evernamo has really put a name for himself out there this past season. I mean, Eli Apple getting burned every play, but that was like something we all expected for years now. Just looking at it on the Rams side of the box score. They love 283 passing yards, three touchdowns, but on the ground, let them know 1.9 yards per carry. And Stafford only completed 65% of his passes. Like they did a decent job, had two picks, had a couple sacks in there. DJ Reader was the right signing. Trey Hendrickson's been a beast. 
I mean, Mike Hilton and Wuzier played decently. Jesse Bates is going to get paid like a top-level safety this offseason, likely by the same Cincinnati Bengals. But obviously they lost at the end, and the fade was not nice. But shout-out to this Bengals defense because they deserve more credit than they've been given. And Mitch, one thing I want to talk about the Bengals defense, all – all postseason, this defense made big plays on, especially in the secondary. That secondary was the motor for them this postseason, making big plays with the interceptions and turnovers to turn the tides of games, to lead them down the field. But the thing was, the Bengals did not capitalize off those turnovers. Off the first interception, they didn't. They had to punt. The second one, they got a field goal. And we talked about that. We talked about that basically the entire playoffs. If you do, if you can't capitalize off your turnovers, especially with an offense like the Rams, and even though they weren't being held well on defense. It's an offense that's the bet. This offense was eventually going to break through just because how potent they are. And I, I think that's what plagued. If we had to point to one thing that really plagued the Bengals, that's really what did it for them. As there was, they couldn't capitalize off their turnovers. They had to give the ball back. And because Joe Burrow was being pretty much hounded by the Rams front seven, he had to get the ball out quick. So that limited his big playability. And yeah. And even that, like, the, their game plan was make Matt Stafford beat us as they limited the run. And even though Cooper Cup was basically unguardable and OBJ was having a pretty good first half until he got out, they pretty much did it. They were making sure to limit Matt Stafford and make him make a mistake. And they got him to make mistakes, but then capitalized off that. And that plagued them. And this game is very low scoring as a result. And one more person we want to talk about is Zach Taylor. He gets a lot of flack as a head coach, but Mitch, to be completely honest in terms of game plan, he called a pretty solid game until the fourth quarter. What do you make of that? You know, I, I can't judge a season in a guy's career off of two plays at the end of the game, choosing Samahe P. Ryan of all your weapons to give the ball to. Now, I think he gets a lot of flack. It's I think it's undeserved, right? A lot. Like, my roommate came back last night, like, very frustrated. He's like, well, he sucks as a coach. I, like, understandably, like, I, he wasn't – I got that from, like, a hand – I got that from half a dozen people. Yeah. The past 15 hours or so, 16, 18 hours since Super Bowl ended. You can't judge a guy off a play or two. And that's unfortunately how the media works. Again, he did call a really good game through that fourth quarter. And as you said, Sam, they didn't capitalize capitalize on the interceptions. Had they done that, different ball game. And we're and likely we having a different talk- conversation today. Right. And we can't talk about the Bengals without talking about like Hats off to Joe Burrow. They, the bank again. I say it a lot on the show. My dad, this phrase I think rings well. They play just. They play good enough to lose. Joe Burrow hung in there, toughed it out. He, they played incredible all season, and I thought he played a pretty good game. Like it wasn't like mind eye popping, but he still played a very efficient, very good game against a very good defense, and he held it. And they, they were in it till the end. It was a close game, and they were. If it weren't for that Aaron Donald pressure, we. We could have had a tie game. Everybody was thinking overtime. And I think this isn't the last of the Cincinnati Bengals. And on that, we talk like looking forward, where do the Bengals go over? We mentioned Jesse Bates is a free agent. They obviously have a lot of holes to fill, but for a team that had little expectations to get this far, where do how do they make sure they build to this? As we see teams like in the NBA, we have the Atlanta Hawks. They're fresh off a of finals run, but they crashed and burned at the beginning of the season. How do they make sure they maintain the success? So the Bengals really only have two free agents that are going to command, like CJ Uzama is a free agent. Like my guess is they'll bring him back, but frankly, he's not going to command top of the market dollar. So it won't be so bad. Jesse Bates will, but that's their only internal free agent. That's really going to command money. And frankly, 
coming off a Super Bowl loss, you get hungry in there. So I think any other free agent that they had that would potentially go elsewhere would likely come back for a bit cheaper of a price. Now, with that being said, the Bengals have top five cap room in the NFL right now. Bates of the 40s. Let me just get the number out. Right. The Bengals are currently sitting at per spot rack. A lot in terms of cap room, Trey Reigns is their highest hit at 15 at 16 million. Hendrickson's at making 15 redders, making 14 Mixon 11 Boyd 10, but like you have a rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow's making $10 million. They're, Cap room for their projected cap space for next season is $55.8 million. Between Jesse Bates and Uzama, they'll probably command between 17 and 20 is my guess. Somewhere along those lines, I get those two back. They'll still have $35 million. That's before cutting anyone, revamping, whatever. Like every other NFL team does restructures, put stuff, push money back. For me, the, and for me and everyone saying this about the Bengals, there's one thing and one thing only they're going to do. Not on the offensive line. If I'm the Bengals, the one name that stands out to me is someone, obviously a lot of the free agents this offseason are, there's a decent decent amount of quality O-linemen, but they're all old. But frankly, we saw the right with the Rams when they brought Andrew Whitworth when he left the Bengals five years ago, that bringing in a solid old aging lineman who can still play decently brings a veteran presence to the group. If I'm the Bengals, I'm making a run at, at Taron Armstead of the New Orleans Saints. I think if you could protect Joe Burrows by and slide. Jackson Carmen, by the way, second round draft pick out of Clemson, the guard, has to start playing like a building block. Maybe Brandon Scherf, although he hasn't played a lot. Like There are a lot of different names that have been floated out there. If I'm the Bengals, though, I'm spending like two to three of my first four picks in the draft, especially my first round one, on the O-line. Get that. Like You can't just let Joe Burrow get sacked like that. And then maybe I'd spend some more funds, a bit more pass rush, maybe another corner, and obviously bringing Bates back. But I think the Bengals right now, I'd say are the favorite to represent the AFC next year. Whoa. It's interesting you say that. I, You mentioned that they're the favorite, and I could see how you would think that. But I honestly think the, the Bengals could also use maybe an upgraded linebacker. I think yeah. that could really help. Like, what they do with their defense is, like, they sort of brought guys and made them bind to something. And these guys are not like big names, but they're scrappy can make big plays when they need them. So unless like the guys like Logan Wilson, you need set, like if those guys really, unless those guys progress and we don't know what production you can get out of them next season, I think maybe an upgrade at linebacker and maybe to stiffen up the secondary. I think Eli Apple is not going to be resigned. I'll tell you that. Nope, they're, he's gone. I think again, upgrading the secondary, which played very well, but could use, use, use some upgrades there. And I also mentioned, I think a guy to watch, he's the most coveted offensive tackle, offensive free agent. Cam Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars is the name to watch. I'm not Absolutely. saying they're going to get him. He's going to command a lot of money. But if you really want to upgrade offensive line, really stiffen that up, Cam Robinson is the best, I think, the best offensive lineman on the market. I think he's the guy to go after. Yeah. Um, that, that does it for our Super Bowl recap. And to our Yik Yaks, we're just going to yak about how we felt about this season and how we're going to look ahead. Mitch, this is one of the more crazier seasons that we've seen in our lifetime, not including the playoffs. I mean, the 18-game season, the extra playoff spot, the countless overtime wins, the heart racers, the game winners, penalties, everything was just crazy. It just seemed like there's so many things to count. And so 
all the crazy of the season, also COVID and all the storylines surrounding it, I got two questions. The first one is, how do you think this crazy season will impact the NFL going forward? Should we expect an eight, another 18-game season, another playoffs, just keep the same structure? How will this impact the league going forward? To be honest, Sam, as much as the numbers bother me in terms of record, I think the 17-game season was a hit for the NFL. More money in, players enjoyed it more. It's here to stay. The seven teams in the playoffs are here to stay. Although we've been proven the past two years that not necessarily there are seven teams in each conference worthy of being a playoff team, but it's here to stay. I really think that there's more money generated involved than generally positive reviews. And I don't think the NFL is going to change that. So storylines to watch there's a lot of drama a lot of feel-good stories and a lot of action that portrayed throughout the season but of all the narratives and all the great moments from the season what was a storyline something that really touched you this season that really touched me look back and see be like wow i remember this i mean there's so many i can talk about Cooper Cup season, all the risks that were taken for everyone involved to get to where they did. All the Rodgers drama, Antonio Brown, like there's so many storylines. And unfortunately, this won't be remembered for what it was, which was Tom Brady's final season, potentially. And for me, the real storyline for me of the season is no risk it, no biscuit. And right We've seen that with so many situations. Right? Bengals took a risk keeping Zach Taylor, taking Jamar Chase. Rams, on the other hand, traded the farm literally for a title, and it worked. Jalen Hurt, the Eagles go with the Jalen Hurts experiment, adapting the running game, getting the playoffs. Niners sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo after trading up three first-round picks to get Trey Lance. Right, just so many little tidbits. Packers dealing with the Aaron Rodgers drama again that we're going to see how if his risk pays off, if he really wants to leave and will be better off. I mean, Tom Brady, though, right? Literally, two years ago, took a leap of faith and it paid off. And I think that's the last I get from the season. Being conservative in life can only get you so far. That was beautiful. I love that. Are you just are you telling me that we should make Bruce Aaron the next commissioner of the NFL? Because, like, if you're saying that, if they, if that defines either no risk, no biscuit, I ship it. <laughs> I, I, I'm okay with Goodell for now. You touched upon it a bit, but for me, it was sort of this changing of the guard. We talk, we sort of grew up, I like to say, we grew up in this golden age of quarterbacks Peyton Manning, prime Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, two Super Bowl Eli Manning. Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, and now we're and now they're most of them are pretty much, if not all, are gone from the league. And now we see this new sort of incoming talent, the new the new face of the league, the Justin Herberts, the Pat Mahomes, the Josh Allen's, Joe Burrow. Burrow has definitely been up in that conversation. And I think it's just so cool to see how and the league has evolved from that, and seeing the difference and changes and how the league's going to be. Like, it's going to be so weird for me to watch football next season and not see Aaron Rodgers possibly not in a Packers jersey, to not see Tom Brady take the field. No Big Ben either. To not, to not see Big Ben take, put on the injury, put on the yellow, the black and yellow. I mean, that is something that I never thought I really had to see in my lifetime for a while. And it's sort of really just sinking in. And it, 
I, that was pretty much the thing is, it's a year of transitions. Over have transitioned into a lot of different things, and I think that's pretty much what the NFL, what, what the NFL is doing. Well, it's just one giant transition. All right, let's move on to the next step. And I'm, I'm sad that I now probably have to like find a different way to spend my Sundays. I think we're gonna figure it out. So now, time for a more fun segment as we talk about how we're looking into next season. We're moving into our first edition of Table Talk, where we're just gonna discuss just like topics in a more fun and informal way and i think this seg- this game will pretty much take it out we're going to go through each team's super bowl window all 16 playoff all i believe 16 playoff teams we're going to go through each of them individually and like what is their window could next year be their year do they have two three years or are they going on a downward slope we're going to rate this on partially open totally open all 16 playoff teams here. I'm going to read them off to Mitch. We'll give our opinions and let's just waste no time, Mitch. Mitch, I think we're going to start with our Super Bowl matchup. Our first team is the Rams. How big is their window? Their window is still wide open to me, Sam, right? Obviously, they're $10 million over the cap right now. OBJ is not. Radarius Williams. A couple other linebackers. Von Miller, all free agents. OBJ back on discount. Potentially healthy. Robert Woods, healthy. Stafford's still there. We'll have to sign extension eventually. Cooper Cup, Higby, Wolf replace Whitworth. The two biggest question marks for them are Aaron Donald and Sean McVay. Donald retires. This window goes to open. McVay leaves, still probably on wide open, open border. But the Rams should still be a favorite because Lesney is going to find a way to make this work. And Mitch, do you see them keeping Von Miller or do you see him going to Green or Pastor? I see Von Miller going back to the Broncos, but otherwise I see him staying because frankly, if Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald there, Candles three guys. They're, they can find someone else who wants the ring chase opposite Leonard Flint. Like Von Miller has no need to like Von Miller can retire right now, be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Where have I seen that before? All right, sorry. Yeah. Every um, freaking team <laughs> in LA. Um, okay. Next, the Bengals. What is what's their window? Wide open. They got a quarterback on a rookie contract. They're gonna fix the O-line. They're gonna add more pieces of that defense. They're my favorite in the AFC. Team that played in the NFC Championship game against the Rams, the San Francisco 49ers. What is their window? Their window is open, right? Jimmy Garoppolo likely gone. I don't know to whom for what. They only have two receivers on the roster right now, but in terms of cap space, they should be in half decent shape. Most of the defense is still intact. Getting another Nick Bosa, another season away from ACL injury, had 15 sacks this year, is better for that team. They're looking at, they only have two receivers on the roster. Right now, by the way, it's literally Debo, Ayuk, and then Keyshawn Johnson and Jordan Matthews are officially under contract, but neither of them are going to play. Jalen Hurd on a practice squad. But they also got they only have, they only have three million cap space, but Jimmy G has a has a no dead has like a five million dead cap hit and like a twenty seven million dollar cap hit. I think the window's open. They have they have Trey Lance. That defense is still mostly intact. Their coordinator stayed this season, which was big for them. I think they're going to augment to that team. The question should be determined on how they do it. I think they draft. I think you touched upon the receiver depth. I think they're maybe going to draft something, try to address it there, maybe through a trade. We'll see what happens there. And the Niners have shown now again and again ever since that Super Bowl. Mind you, no first round picks in the next three years. Next two years, actually. Right. That's interesting, actually. So we'll see what they do with that. Maybe they trade up or two. We'll see what happens with that. We'll see what they get for Jimmy G. But the Niners have always. 
the Niners are always they, the Niners don't go away easy. And since that Super Bowl one against the Chiefs, they've shown their Super Bowl roster. And they were depleted by injuries last year, but this year they are on both sides of the ball with the right quarterback in place. They can be a Super Bowl roster and still compete even with a young and more unexperienced quarterback. Okay, Mitch. Now for the AFC, for the team that lost to the Bengals in the AFC Championship game, and right now Vegas is the next favorite for next season in the early odds to win the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs, their window, what do you think? I think wide open. Obviously, they're short on cap space, and that defense is going to need to change some pieces. Maybe Frank Clark goes $26 million cap hit, dead cap only $13 million. That would save them a lot. They rebuilt the offensive line this year. Joe Tooney, obviously, two years ago came in. Orlando Brown Jr. is going to have to be resigned. They give up a first-round pick. They're not going to let him go. Creed Humphrey has been all pro this year. Nick Algaretti, obviously, playing well for them. And they really just need to shore up. Lucas Niang, obviously another draft pick that's played well. Trey Smith. Offensively, they're still looking for another wide receiver. Maybe they find a way to trade a first-round pick for, I don't know, Amari Cooper. That'd be one that I think would be interesting because they've been really, they've been really looking for another receiver opposite Tyreek Hill. Michael Hardman, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson haven't been that answer. But as long as I still have Mahomes, who's the best player, best quarterback in the league, most important best player in the most important position. The window's got to be wide open. They got to be up there. Ron Matthew is a free agent, though. That is definitely someone to watch. And this team is a field goal away from competing in the Super Bowl. So we, I think we all have no doubt in our minds that they will be back at some point. All right, Mitch, now going on to the team that's probably the most question mark surrounding in this offseason, the Green Bay Packers. What do you think their window is as of now? I'm going to leave it as open because I don't know what's going to happen really? with Rodgers or Devontae Adams. Now, likely Zedarius and Preston Smith will both be cut or traded in the offseason to clear cap room. They prepare to offer Rodgers reportedly $45 million a year to keep him. Devontae Adams is going to cost also like 27 So those two guys are eating up about a 30-year cap. It's a hard sell for me, but in a division where there's no one really competing right now, right? Even if Rodgers left today and Jordan Love was the starter, Adams likely tagged both Smith brothers likely gone for picks. They likely, let's hypothetically tag David Ojabo out of Michigan there to them. He plays productive. Him, Rushan Gary, form another partnership there. Jair Alexander on the back end, Arnold Savage. They brought in your boy, Rich Pisaccia, to be their special teams coordinator. That's the most underrated coaching. Co- up, most underrated coaching hire of the season so far, of the offseason. I think Lafleur has won 13 games. Of I think they still have a chance. Again, the NFC is also so wide open compared to the yeah. AFC. If Rogers stays, they got to be the favorite. 100%. I really, I'd have to put them at, I guess, I'd put, put them at partially open because I really, there's so much uncertainty whether Rogers or Adams are going to stay, what heads are going to be chopped off in order to make the cap space. There's just so much uncertainty around this team until we get some clarity. I really can't make a definitive decision. Okay, Mitch, moving on to a team that pretty much took connection to the Bengals, took America by storm is pretty much on the cuffs of potentially being a new, the new contender in the a- AFC. They're the second team that Vegas has rated to win the Super Bowl. The Buffalo Bills, how open is their window, Mitch? You know what? I have their window as open right now. I can't have them as wide open for a couple of reasons. One, Josh, Al- I mean, Josh Allen's cap hits at $16 million for next year will go up exponentially after that. Defensively, they're very young. They have all their picks. Salary cap is at negative 1 million right now. Emmanuel Sanders likely a goner among others. 
I really do think, though, that losing Brian Dable is going to be used for that. We have not seen Ken Dorsey in a coordinator role, and that should be something else. They're likely going to have to address the back half of that defense. Tredavious White getting hurt. Their secondary was really exposed in the playoffs. He's also getting paid right now. Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde likely staying. Could be a cap casualty either way, but I don't think so. They really need a second corner opposite White, though. Tehran Johnson's not going to cut it. They didn't really lose that much in terms of the roster, and they'll likely be in the mix there in the AFC with the Bengals and the Chiefs. I had their window was wide open. This, I am so psyched about this Bills team. They went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen has arrived, ladies and gentlemen. He is an absolute baller. And I think this team, again, there is something to be said about Ken Dorsey in a coordinator role, but I really do think because he's they kept it in-house and he knows what he wants to do, I really think – that the Bills, again, are one of the most – one of the better-run teams in the NFL as of today. And I think if they just run everybody back with maybe an upgrade in the back end of the secondary, like you said, and maybe an upgrade at linebacker or somewhere in the – just but I think they need one more piece on the defense, primarily, I think, in the front seven. I think the secondary is their strength, and I think Jerry Hughes is getting up there in age. They really don't have like that – and Oliver is great, but he's still he's still developing as a player. And I think they do could use another pass rusher or some for the linebacker position to put them over the top. Okay, Mitch, another team with a lot of question marks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What is their window? So I want to hedge here and say open. I'm going to say partially open for a couple of reasons. One, I don't expect I expect Brady to actually go through retirement. Two, they're two and three receivers who are really it was really a one A one B and one C situation. Antonio Brown, we know his whole situation. Chris Godwin off an ACL tear. They could franchise tag him again. I don't know necessarily if that's going to go well for either side. But they don't have another receiver like Scotty Miller, Rashad Perriman, maybe like behind Mike Evans. Defensively, they're going to need help in the secondary. Offensively, receivers are likely upgrade spot. One of those two will be addressed with their first round pick. But we don't know who's playing quarterback, Sam. We don't. Maybe it's a Jimmy Garoppolo spot. Maybe Jameis Winston comes back. I'd like to see that one, actually. That'd be fun. I think that'd be fun. I think that'd be, I think that'd be an interesting fit, right? Because we always said, when Jameis became a free agent two years ago, if Jameis wasn't on the Bucs, he would be the guy the Bucs would bring in. And that's an interesting one. I'll, I really don't know who they're getting. They've, supposedly, they're in on Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. I don't know how. I think either of those would put them on the top and put them in the top four teams or so in the NFC. Not to mention they are playing in the right now, what I think is the weakest division in football because you don't have quarter. That's not saying much because pretty much every division besides the West is weak in the NFC. Yeah. The NFC is just weaker in general, but like even the NFC East, whether the back is better right now than any quarterback who's going to start next year in the South Jalen hurts. I'd rather take over every current starting option there. Honestly, Daniel Jones is probably borderline with Matt Ryan. And whatever Washington does, they're going to draft one. Whoa, okay. So that's an interesting situation. If they can figure out the quarterback, they're going to be in, they're going to win their division. No doubt in my mind. Sean Payton and Drew Brees not being in New Orleans, they're going to have to figure that. Mickey Loomis have a lot of work to do. Atlanta's going to roll at Matt Ryan, but I don't think that team's very good. Obviously, AJ Terrell was a beast this year and ascended. Carolina is just a mess and will continue to be a mess. So I think the Buccaneers 
window is a little more closed. Chris Godwin's a free agent. We don't know what's going to – with that of Tom Brady's not there, we don't know who's going to leave, who's going to stay, because the credibility's not there anymore. The reason people came to Tampa Bay was to play with Tom Brady and get a ring. So without that gone, players were not going to be willing to take as many tax cuts. People are going to want to get paid. And we could, see, we could be seeing some big changes in Tampa Bay. But on paper, the roster is still one of the better ones in the league on both sides of the ball, especially if they keep Chris Godwin around. So the thing is, what pieces will they give up to get a quarterback like Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson? Because the asking price is very high. I can see them more getting a guy, drafting someone. I see them getting maybe a Desmond Ritter. I could see that happening. I wouldn't – I either way, the Bucks. I guess, are more in a – I see their window is somewhat closing. I think it's partial – partially open if anything i really just don't know what's going to make it the quarterback situation okay we talked about tom brady's tom brady the team that he retired for let's talk about the team that he dominated with the new england patriots what is their window partially open right you're only gonna go as far as your quarterback will take you right mac jones at best right you got herbert burrow mahomes allen all absolutely better lamar that's five that's not talk taking in any veterans or anyone who switches conferences. So the defense has to be good enough. And we've seen their defense be good enough. And they're going to add pieces. Obviously, JC Jackson, the corners of free agent, but the Patriots have only 7 million in cap room. I'm sure they'll make a move somehow. They need number one wide receiver, but frankly, Belichick doesn't have the greatest record of drafting them in recent years. So I think they trade that first round pick for Calvin Ridley, honestly. That'd be a good trade. If they can somehow finesse Devontae Adams to New England, I know we've been joking about like that. It might happen. I wouldn't rule that out. I don't think it's likely, but I think it's yeah, definitely. Ridley also, Ridley also a name to watch. Yeah, I think Ridley's. I, I think might think the trade. Like if you ask me to bet on one trade happening in the offseason right now, Ridley and the Patriots is the one I'm putting my money on. And rumored a lot. I also think the Patriots window is slightly open. They're. More a more younger team. They invested heavily in the defense, and it proved quarterback this though. year. But in the playoffs, they need the quarterback. Yeah, it's so- in the playoffs, and they also just need a playmaker. And I really just think with where they're lacking, the rushing attack is so strong. They have the two-headed monsters, Harris and Ramonde Stevenson. Their offensive line is still very stout. A very the defense again is proved to be stout, and we'll see what happens. JC Jackson is going to get paid, but I think the Patriots still have a little bit more more kinks to work out before before they be come back to a contender okay Mitch we talk about one big team let's talk about um, quote-unquote America's team Dallas the Dallas Cowboys how big is their window shut so the Cowboys are now in cap crunching 21 million on the top 51 26 million overall over already for next year they've already lost Dalton Schultz Cedric Wilson Michael Gallup believe Tony Pollard has one year left. Like Tony Pollard has that much time left anyways. If Tony Pollard's still on this roster. Yep. Uh, is Tony Pollard still on the roster for next year? Or he's a free agent too. Uh, no, Tony Pollard has another year left. But they have a lot. They have, they're losing a lot. Dak's only going to get you so far. And we saw this year, Mike McCarthy is a problem. But frankly, the Cowboys have lucked out in, they kept both their core. Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore did not take head coaching jobs or get head coaching. They're probably going to be the next head coach when McCarthy gets <laughs> One of them will likely be the next head coach of the Cowboys. Dalton, Blake Jarwin's not Dalton Schultz. Cedric Wilson and Gallup will be bigger losses than you expect. 
So if you're Dallas, how do I spend the first round? Do I go get another player for my secondary? Do I go help my old line out that needs more help? And I've put a lot of money into my own and a lot of picks in premium draft capital on my own line, right? We saw Tyler Biotis not play well down the stretch after a strong working year. Tyron Smith, Lola Collins were good when healthy, but weren't so healthy. Zach Martin's still a beast, but you need help on that line. That defense obviously played well, but Keanu Neal, a bunch of other, like a lot of guys who came in on one-year deals because of Quinn. Are they going to A, play them well, as well as they did, and B, come back? Because you're over cap, you're going to have to find a way to clear room. And when I suggested the Amari Cooper trade earlier, it's because Cooper has a $22 million cap hit with only $6 million in dead caps. You're saving $60 million there. As good as he is, we know who the number one receiver there is. Yeah, for sure. Lamb. So, yeah. frankly, all it takes is really the Eagles or Giants, even the football team, to kill the offseason, get a quarterback in place, and – beat Dallas twice. And frankly, they're winning the division next year, but right. I don't, yeah, we've seen Dallas lose to lesser team. Shanahan beat them, right? They're not going to, they're not going to go out. Like what's the ceiling for this Dallas team? Maybe a conference championship loss. I really think it's a division around game. I don't think they're getting further than that. That's an interesting take. I think the Cowboys do have a window because of the young talent that they have. They have a guy like Megan Parsons. They have Trayvon Diggs, and they still have the core. And, yes, I agree with you that Dalton Schultz, Cedric Wilson, and Michael Gallup will be big losses, bigger than we anticipate. Because, Mitch, we keep saying it a lot on the show. You're only as good as your third wide receiver, and Michael Gallup is one of the better ones in the league for sure. But I think this Cowboys, Mike McCarthy's holding the back. They have great talent on both ends of the ball. I think their window is slightly open. I don't think it's shut. It's definitely, definitely somewhat open at this point. And if the, if it's time to get it done, now is because of the cap situation, who knows how much longer they're going to have this core. Okay, now moving on to our next team, the number one seed in the AFC, a team that defied expectations and pretty much squabbled in the moment in the playoffs, the Tennessee Titans. Mitch, what is their Super Bowl window? Still open, trending towards shut, right? Henry will be back. They need another receiver. They're $6 million over right now. Harold Landry is a free agent. They're going to need to bring in some pass rush help. That third receiver is definitely going to be questions. Do they bring someone in early, bring someone in late? Do they go after like a John Mechie or Justin Ross a bit later? Do they, or like even Jameson Williams, I don't think he's going to slip though. Like due to injury concerns. Again, this defense is still elite. Henry's still there. Julio and AJ Brown are still on the roster. Tannehill will take them. As, it will come down to Tannehill. He's taking a lot. He's not going anywhere taking on a, it'd be a $57 million dead cap hit right now for them to do that. I still think Vrabel's the best coach is one of the best coaches in football. And as long as he's at the helm and they have Henry and that defense, they're still going to be contention. I agree with you. I think they're, it's definitely open to putting torch shot. And you said it yourself. It's going to come down to Tannehill. They have all the other pieces and they think keep Harold Landry around. It really is going to come down if, if Ryan Tannehill can get the job done. Okay, Mitch, moving on to our next team, a team that started out red hot at the beginning of the season, but then crashed and burned, as per they usually do, at the end of the season, the Arizona Cardinals. What is their window? Kyler Murray has voiced his frustration at the team. So given this situation, what is their Super Bowl window, given this improbable play, this improbable playoff appearance? Trending towards shut. I don't think they're good enough to contend. Honestly, they're the third best team in their division right now, objectively. So to tell me that they're going to finish ahead of both the Rams and the 49ers, regardless of what those teams look like next year, and then go on a playoff run where they're going to likely have to face one or two, one or both of those teams. I can't see it. 
Kyler's frustrated, as you mentioned, the whole social media thing. Not picking high, not a lot of cap room. Need to make something work. Okay, I'm with you on that. I think they need to figure something out. Help on the offensive line. Kyler Murray can't be running for his life all the time. Chandler Jones is getting up there in age. Isaiah Simmons has yet to show real signs of taking that next step. He needs help. And Cliff Kingsbury needs to get his act together. I think his seat is more hot than people think it is, as he is notorious for crashing and burning towards the end of the season. So we'll see how that plays out. Okay, Mitch, now we're getting some a bit more some of the lesser teams that made the playoffs this season. Our first one is a team that surprised everybody with a playoff appearance, the Las Vegas Raiders. What is their Super Bowl window? I'd say partially open. I will, I, a little trending towards shut. Again, we talked about the quarterbacks that Derek Carr is going to have to be the young ones in the NF, in the AFC. If he's still there, right, unless they go another direction, which is possible they can go another direction. They do have $21 million in cap space right now. We'll likely have more by the start of the season. Need to get number one wide receiver. I think – if they don't draft one, I think the biggest move they can make would be going to get Devontae Adams and then trying to convince Rodgers to come to LA, come to come to Vegas. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think McDaniels wants to roll a car, but they're lacking a number one receiver on the outside. You got to go get one. Need help defensively, specifically at corner, and maybe a bit on maybe a bit in the linebacking linebacking core as well. But the Raiders made the playoffs. Depending on what happens, they could be the fourth best team in their division. It's unfortunate the West is stacked because the Raiders were in any other division in the AFC. They'd likely be a wild card team guaranteed. No, I 100% agree. I think the window is open, and I'm very to see how this new regime is going to pan out. They've they've come out and said that they're going to commit to Carr. He's probably going to get an extension within the week. I would love them to go get Devontae Adams and maybe a Stephon Gilmore. I really would like them to go get an an upgrade at corner. They haven't had a shutdown corner in a long time, probably since like Charles Woodson. It's been a very long time. And I really think this team needs to build on the success from this past season or else something's going to, something drastic is going to happen. And I'm not going to look forward to it. Okay, Mitch, another team that surprised everyone to make the playoffs, the Philadelphia Eagles. What is their window? They're open trending up. And I got Here's why. Here's why Sam, they have 22 million in cap space right now. Three first round picks this year due to trades. They might have their franchise quarterback in place in Jalen Hurts. And if not, they can go trade for either Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, or go draft one. If I'm the Eagles, I need an interior lineman. Honestly, I'd try and steal Brandon Scherf from the commanders if I could do that, even though he hasn't played much. Brandon Brooks retiring. My lot of handouts, maybe you bring Andre Dillard inside, something like that. Tyler Linderbaum is going to be a popular pick to them if he get if he falls that far. I don't know if he will. But the Eagles would go defense heavy, get another corner play opposite slide, get another playmaker at all levels, get a pass rusher involved. The Eagles are a sleeper team in the NFC next year if they get everything right. Agreed. I, I think they have the most skip. In terms of assets, they have the best situation in all of football in terms of draft capital, cap space, and the position that they're in. They can really they, – they can write their own destiny. And on what the market pans out for them. All right, Mitch, our final team – that once again it has a ton of question marks but somehow squirmed their way literally by the by the grit of their teeth to make the playoffs the pittsburgh steelers now they're very much going through growing pains but what is their super bowl window same thing with the eagles honestly open trending up obviously they have a better they have two quarterbacks better in their division likely than whoever they're going to bring in but they have the best defense in that division as well they have one of the best defensive players in football, reigning defensive player of the year in TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, among others. 
the only real person on offense that's not under contract that they're losing that's is Juju. And frankly, Juju might come back on another discount deal, or you can go bring another receiver to replace him or go draft one. Or, you know, give James Washington a chance finally. Uh, Ebron also free, also on a void, but they'll make that work. Big Ben retired. That defense is really strong. Likely need to spend a pick or two on that O-line, but they have a, one of the most amounts of cap space in the NFL. They could go trade for a cornerback. They can go draft one, or they could even go sign one. Not that there's any available. And yeah. the one name I've seen mocked to them recently is Malik Willis out of Liberty. How much would they be willing to trade up to go get him is the question. Interesting. That'd be, that'd be interesting to see because this team, if you look at the, the way it's constructed, they're sort of built to win now, given that a lot of their, like TJ Watts still young, but he's going to come into his prime soon. Deontay Johnson, I don't know how much longer he's going to be productive. Ju, Juju's not here for long. And then they need to upgrade the offensive line. That's a definite, but I had them getting Jimmy G, but Malik Willis could be very interesting. And Mike Tomlin has proven again and again that when, when crap hits the fan, he finds a way to figure it out. They haven't had a losing season under his tenure. So I don't expect that to finish. I think they're going to be trending around, but the danger is that they could very much fall into mediocrity. So I sort of had them going open, but closing. I really don't know what, I really think whatever person they put in for big Ben, it has to be, it's got, unless they're getting Russell Wilson, I don't see this team really going much further. So that'll do it for our first edition of table talk for we're discussing the team's Super Bowl windows. We we're kind of looking forward to the off season. We know we have a lot to talk about going forward, but what a season of NFL football. We just witnessed it very much came down to the wire as everything did. And it very much touched us in every way. And now it is time for our favorite segment, Mitch. It is time for none other than our hawk of the day. What's your hawk? My hawk is make sure that you're watching the Super Bowl with people who actually care about watching the Super Bowl. And don't take your intensity like for crazy because my friends thought it was nuts last night. But honestly, I was just happy to see everything come out the way it did. Happy for all those guys that finally won one. It was good. The halftime show has been underwhelming, but we needed more of it. They got the people right. And overall, just, yeah, some people can't handle intensity, and that's their problem, not yours. Now, all right. So, Mitch, my odds, I know you're going to appreciate this, was my favorite Super Bowl commercial. The Coinbase Super Bowl ad, America by Storm. For those who didn't watch, this ad was just a QR code that little bit in colors and bounced up and down the screen until it eventually hit a cor- until eventually hit the corner. Okay, we all love watching that. But you scan the QR code, it takes you right to Coinbase's website. And so many people were so popular that the website app literally crashed. I mean, that is marketing at its finest if I've ever seen it. I absolutely love the commercial. It was it was hilarious, fun, and had everything you'd want in a in an elite Super Bowl commercial. Hats off to Coinbase. They they take the crown for best Super Bowl commercial in my opinion. That or the Larry David commercial. That was yeah. also really funny. I like the Coinbase so, one. That was great. That will do it for our Super Bowl preview. Again, we'll have a lot more. And even though the season is over, we will have a lot more NFL content coming your way. Mitch will be back with a mock draft at some point. We'll do offseason previews. Quarterback carousel still a lot to talk about. We will stay tuned. We'll be back on Wednesday 
Crystal Ball will be back on Wednesday. We'll be reviewing the, the last Southeast. division in the Eastern Easter Conference, the Southeast Division. Looking forward to that with some more NBA preview. A lot to digest. Thank you all for tuning in. I am Sam Kinchis. I am Mitch Wolf, and we will see you next time on the Highlands Hawk.